Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewald, and today we are blessed to have with us Russ Vogt, the former director for the Office of Management and Budget, and currently president of the Center for Renewing America. All right, well, Russ, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, Russ, can you let our audience know how you came to be appointed as the director of OMB under President Trump and what you've been doing since your administration days? Sure. You know, I was a budget expert on Capitol Hill for a long time, working for a lot of different conservatives, Phil Graham, Jeb Henschling, Mike Pence. Mike Pence then became head of the transition, and I had been at Heritage Foundation, really building a grassroots army, educating them I think for the first time on the complexity of the issues that we were working so that they would know just as much as a member of Congress would. And it was an opportunity for me to come and and work on the team at OMB. And next thing you know, I'm getting nominated for deputy and then director uh, once Mick Mulvaney became chief of staff. Since then, really the day after the administration ended, uh, we stood up Center for Renewing America to, to be over the target with regard to keeping the agenda focused on America first issues that I think were really the issues that the last administration came uh, and, and won on, but also reflected mm-hmm. kind of a, a moment in the conservative movement to address issues that had previously not been addressed. And my worry was that if, if there wasn't an organization like it, the establishment would just go talk about the issues that they had loved to talk about for so long. Boy, we, we wish you were still in that role today, um, but uh, we, we have you right now at the Center for Renewing America, and uh, there's a lot of similarities, but what you guys are doing versus what Restoration America is doing, so it's it's great to have you as, uh, as partners, if you will, in, in the battle that we, we're facing right now. So for the Center for Renewing America, it's, it's known for really you know dealing with the pressing issues regarding America's security, such as the crisis on the border and big government. Uh, we'll touch on some of that today, but what are some of the other issues maybe that the center is focused on? Well, to zoom out a little bit, our view is that the conservative movement, and as a result, the entire nation for decades has largely needed to be corrected on, on three things in the, in the definition of conservatism. And that is, I think, fully consistent with the, the conservative movement's history, but largely, I think, if it's in too secular and too imperialistic and too economic in focus. And so the, all of the issues that we work on are trying to broadly have a, a corrective and, and say we need to be a, a country that is for God. We need to be for country and for community in the sense that uh, we want to really reflect on the fact that we are a nation that's built on Judeo-Christian worldview. We want to ensure that people know that we're an actual country. So that's where you see our focus on the border, with our focus on what our interests are uh, in, in the foreign policy realm, not funding Ukraine for up to $200 billion, not letting people in uh, just because you know th- they want to use their refugee status. And we don't get a say in whether that would be a good security result for our country. And the notion that just because a consumer wants it doesn't mean we're going to allow com- communities to be uh, ravaged by drugs or critical race theory. So on all of these issues, we kind of take the, the notion of a culture fight, broaden it to, to deal with all of the existential fights that we're facing, and then throw ourselves as an organization into that fight to, to, to try to articulate what could be done, what must be done, and then how to do it using our 
our experience in government to, to articulate a path forward. So, so practically speaking, I mean, there's a lot to impact there, but I want to understand how do you actually do that correction? What, what, what are the techniques and means that you use to do that? We, we try to pick issue fights that are very immediate, that are in the news, and then reframe those and be able to, to change direction and get more and more of the conservative movement and then the Republican Party, and then hopefully on a bipartisan basis, you, you've, you've begun to change consensus. But I'll just give you an example. When we were experiencing the dramatic, uh, the devastating withdrawal from Afghanistan of Joe Biden, and look, we, we wanted to get out of Afghanistan as much as the next person, uh, but we certainly didn't want to do it carelessly and leaving all sorts of military equipment and, and not doing it in a prudential way with, it, with a lot of planning, as, as I think President Trump would have done it. But we're in the midst of that, and all all we see is every person going to, who's a conservative going to the interview and saying, "Oh, we're going to just let anyone in Afghanistan come here." Uh, all of these people were interpreters; they were in the foxhole with us. It was like the whole country was full of interpreters. They have no they have no GDP other than interpreting. That's what that that's that's what the debate made you think. And so we started talking about no, we have it is an America first principle to be able to have a conversation about the types of people that we want to be here and whether we can ask the security vetting questions that are necessary to know, are, not only are they threat, but are, do they have any sense of the Judeo-Christian worldview that this country was founded on? And that doesn't mean we don't give religious liberty, but it does mean, are they wanting to come here and assimilate? And those that's the type of issue that has completely fallen by the wayside on the right. And as a result, we have a whole country that thinks you know, to be in America is it's some kind of value proposition that if you want to come here, you get to come here. We don't get a, sh a chance as a nation to determine whether that's actually good for our nation. So those are the types of things that we, and we look for a leverage point. Is there a debt limit expiration? Is there a funding? Is there something in the real world that we can rally towards to be able to have a forcing function for us to have that debate? And once we have it, we try to win it and lead to momentum at every level of government. It, it's amazing how quickly as a society or as a country, we've forgotten those things. I mean, even, even people that subscribe to the Judeo-Christian values that you talk about that our country is founded on, uh, they, they forget the idea that if we're going to let people come into our country, they need to subscribe to our values. You can't just let anyone in the country with open borders. And I, and I can't help but think that there's a big role uh, that big tech plays in that. So this is the connection that, you know, because I know this is a big deal for you guys. How do you connect what big tech is doing to kind of change the narrative so that like anyone who wants to come across the border is welcome to come? Well, I think, you know, I think in big tech is an example where the right has not understood what's actually going on broadly with regard to these companies. They have put the big tech companies in their free commerce bucket, when in fact they are large conglomerates that government has privatized authorities that should not exist for the government to censor, but because it comes in as a private company, somehow we have put it in the category we're okay with it. Uh, we're not at the center, and I don't think you guys are either. Um, but another example of that during COVID, right? Who was actually the ones putting a mask mandate on you? It was private companies. And so mm -hmm. our view is that 
to the extent that you take a view of conservatism that you don't get a chance to have a say in that from a public policy because somehow they're a corporation, that that's fundamentally flawed and wrong and will lead to a country that we can't preserve or save. And so our view is we love free market enterprise, uh, but we also want to be cognizant of the extent to which corporations, increasingly multinational, increasingly woke, are playing a part in us losing our country. And we want to provide solutions. One of the ways we've done that in the big tech space is to talk about ways in which they have uh, subsidies and protect legal protections that they shouldn't have. If you remove those, you've accomplished some of the of, the, of what you need to. But the, the main problem is that we have improperly confuse them as just, you know, you're, you know, a, a, a free corporation that should be protected at all costs. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, we have so many elected or unelected, sorry, unelected bureaucrats and corporations dictating what we do as American citizens. Uh, and it's great to hear that uh, you and your organization are fighting at the government level to try to untangle that mess. And it, it is a large tangled mess. Uh, but practically speaking for Americans, uh, what can we do to protect ourselves from big tech in the data that they're taking uh, from us and in our children? Well, I think the, the main uh, thing that people can do in the grassroots is to be informed and, and make sure their members of Congress are not explaining away their inaction by something of which I've already talked about, which is their view that, well, you can't, you, this is the free market enterprise. That is not an excuse for dealing with the threat that these uh, corporations, particularly the big tech ones, are, are, are posing to the American people. And we haven't even talked about some of the issues in terms of the, the product that they're providing, uh, the extent to which, you know, our minors are, are on Instagram constantly, it's ruining, it's leading to record levels of depression. I mean, these there's so many downstream implications, and all of these are are worthy of a public policy conversation. We don't have the the, the solutions on all of them, but we've got a lot of instincts, and and we're moving in the right direction. And so I think that you know people back home need to be educated, get themselves educated, use the various platforms that are available to them, whether they're a small business owner, whether they're on Twitter, whether they're an elected leader on their, on their school board. There's a lot of different platforms that people have. And then to use that to be able to articulate the way forward. And you know, my view is that we, we will save the country when more and more people realize that they themselves are the statesmen that they are hoping and praying for, that they realize that it will change, the battle will change because that it rests on their shoulders. They may not think that they have any influence at all. They're wrong. They have a lot of influence. And, and there are things that everyone can do to shape the battle going in the right direction. In big tech reform, I think that is, is ensuring that this Republican majority that's in the House does a big tech reform bill, that that is a priority and that a member has to explain mm -hmm. themselves, why haven't you done anything on this? That's the kind of thing that we might see with a new Speaker Johnson, um, and I'm hopeful for that. 
Yeah, no, no, we we all are, and and I like I like what you said too. I mean, we're we we have power uh, to 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 put a stop to this. Not not only at the government level, but as as parents, I'm a parent myself, constantly battling uh, with the quick kids and 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 the device use that they do. And you know, I always remember the story about how Steve Jobs, when the iPhone came out, wouldn't let his kids have one. And you realize there's there's good reason for that. Uh, it's because they are highly addictive and highly manipulative. It's hard to put those things down, and they do get to people and. and and, and it's it's great to see that uh, that you guys are working hard in towards uh, making sure that the government has the right policies in place. But there is responsibility on the parents and ourselves as well. As well. Yeah, well, appreciate the encouragement, and um, we will continue to put forward ideas. And you know, one of the things that we are our, our fellow on this, Adam Candu, cited repeatedly by the Supreme Court, has put out model legislation to make it so that the liability for the uh, the the use of of porn websites rests on the company and not the individual and so that is already having an impact in a couple of key states about whether these institutions come in and want to provide their business if they choose not to they've accomplished what we want and so we're looking for leverage points like that to win the debate and that's another example about do you want to have the community uh, what what do you want the community to look like and previously on the right, the answer to that question, well, whatever the consumer wants, we think that's an, in, uh, an unfortunate answer to that question, and that's the kind of things that we work on. Yeah, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense, Rush, and I, and I appreciate, appreciate that. So I want to circle back to uh, what you talked about the Ukraine, right? We, we, with, with what's going on in Israel, uh, I think a lot of people are tending to kind of look the other way now what was happening in Ukraine. And as you said, I think you said $200 billion in taxpayer money going to Ukraine. And, and just kind of putting back on your, your old hat of, you know, the director of the OMB, is there any possibility of getting some oversight or an accountability of what that money was spent spent on? I think that would be a, a very good thing to attach. If, if one of these bills passes, you've had $100 billion thus far, they're trying to get another $100 billion. That's what if we're somehow unsuccessful and there is going to be a bill that's passed, I definitely think you need some kind of inspector general that brings some new institutional pressure to have the spending done in a more sustainable fashion. I mean, Ukraine is widely known as one of the most corrupt countries in the world. And we, we think there needs to be massive accountability. But I also think we're on the cusp of being able to win. And with Speaker Johnson mm -hmm. ensuring that they can't link these, you know, $100 billion for a country that is, is not our strategic ally versus, you know, $14 billion for a country that is one of our main critical uh, allies in that Middle East region. The, the two, America first doesn't mean you don't have foreign allies. America first means that you make determinations based on what interest, your interests are and not the interest of something that largely is, is unconnected to you uh, in, in Europe. And, and our view has always been uh, our policies led to that unfortunate invasion. Obviously, you know, Putin should never have invaded, but our policies were, were contributing to that. And the extent to which Russia is, is a problem, the Europeans need to set, step up and deal with it. And the extent to which it took, we're a year into this, this is not a scenario that we've seen in history where you're just going to have one country go through and steamroll the rest of the continent. It's just not that situation. 
And so countries like like France and Germany need to step up and take care of the threat that they see. That's not our responsibility. We have a host of issues. We just had our debt uh, our forecast uh, downgraded uh, by Moody's last weekend. And so on a host of issues, we've got to get back to the trade-offs involved. You don't get, we don't live in a resource unconstrained world. You know that as a, as a parent, that's not the world we live in and we, our statesmen need to act like that. Uh, no, that's that's so true, Russ. I appreciate you bringing that up. And look, I know um, we talked, we touched on a lot of topics here. Is there any topic that you guys are really focused on that we haven't talked about yet? I would just say that you know we've, as a new organization, our first thing that we worked on a lot was the border critical race theory. But really, the most of what we've been working on this last year was the the what we believe is the most immediate fight facing us, and that is a woke and weaponized government bureaucracy. And so we're trying to use every leverage point we have, spending debt limit, to throw ourselves at that problem and to force people to wake up to the reality that their spending crisis is the same as the, the, the crisis of which this government is aimed at us, the American people. You defund one, you save the country's fiscal house, uh, in the same vein. And, and so we've put forward a proposal to do that. Now it's trying to get members to think of them as like, look, get away from the spreadsheet, guys. Focus on the real government agencies that are impacting you and your constituents. Defund them and be able to move forward and, and, and live a freer life that is much more harmonious with, with what we grew up with. No, I, I love that, Russ. And if, if people want to learn more about what you're doing and support your work, how do they do that? AmericaRenewing.com is our website. They can see all the work that we're doing. And then they can, of course, follow me and us at, at Russ Vote on all the social media channels and AM, AM Renew Center uh, on Twitter and others. Well, fa fantastic, Russ. I, I really do appreciate all that you're, you have done for our country and you continue to do for our country. And I, and I hope God continues to bless you on your journey forward. Same here. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.